Hello, everybody, and welcome to Whiskey Wednesday. Woo. That wasn't even the sound effect. <laughs> I need to get one of those. I need to get one of those. So when I enter a room, that's what I want. Um, well, uh, thank you for all for uh, being here uh, this fine Wednesday. It's uh, As I said, it's Whiskey Wednesday. I will be, uh, just to put everything out, uh, if anybody has any questions during the presentation, I will repeat the question so that everybody on Facebook Live can hear it. If anybody from Facebook on Facebook Live has a question, I will read those off if anybody gives me any questions. If anybody gives any grief, I will now throw them out. <laughs> I'll have Kavork will throw them out. Yeah, <laughs> that's what they wanted to hear. Um, so uh, this is Whiskey Wednesday, and the really cool part about this one is our good friend Jay Cole is back to see us again, which I, I always love uh, when he comes to visit. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate that. It's, it is a pleasure to be back. And now that he's part of Apex, uh, Impacts, Impacts, Tasting Apex. Apex, Impacts is the company. Uh, we have a variety of lines that uh, are available to us to try. Um, what we did tonight is everybody uh, that came to the uh, tasting um, actually got a kit to take home with them, which is the M&H, the uh, milk and honey kit that has um, sort of the basic lineup in it. Yep. But when Jay and I sat down, we said, said, okay, so how are we going to expand this for everybody here? And uh, we did. And it's pretty cool. One of the products you're going to try tonight just got here. Uh, we were sort of lucky. Do you mind um, unplugging that for me? Thank you. Um, we were lucky that it actually showed up in time for our tasting. Uh, Jay was a little nervous, I could tell. In a, in, a, in a nick of time. In a nick of time. All right. So I'm going to hand this over to Jay. And uh, why don't we start? Uh, tell us a little bit about uh, M&H and, 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 and what they do. And I think that's probably a good place to begin. Absolutely. So M&H, short for Milk and Honey Distillery, is located right in downtown city of Tel Aviv, Israel. Um, so people think of single malt whiskeys. Obviously, scotch is always going to come to mind. But over the last few years, people are certainly looking at other whiskeys of the world. You're world whiskeys. World whiskeys. You're looking at places like India and Taiwan that are making very, very good single malts. Uh, so naturally, uh, this distillery was the first for Israel. It was Israel's first whiskey distillery to start producing, uh, to producing the liquid. And when they did, a gentleman by the name of Jim Swan, who's had a hand in a number of distilleries from all over the world, uh, including many well-known brands coming out of Scotland, uh, many of which are in my portfolio, which ties all this together in a very, very cool way, took notice at what Milk and Henny was beginning to do. And basically, he saw a really unique opportunity to be taking whiskeys and examining them as what the climate does to does to the maturation process. Okay. And that's really where you have the beginning of these really beautifully crafted whiskeys that don't take nearly as long as you would think to be maturing. Again, going and looking at your whiskeys coming out of Scotland or even Ireland for that matter. Um, well, you it's, know, it's, it's, got a, that, it's got that hotter climate, but it's a yes. very unique climate. Um, Israel itself has very unique climate and a very diverse climate for such a small area. Absolutely. Uh, which I think, creates that sort of a excitement of, of, of different things you could do. The other cool part I think about, about what I think of milk and honey is Israel really doesn't have any, not only, not only is there no real categorization of what single malt has to be in Israel, Israel really didn't have any clue of what distillation and whiskey had to be. These guys pretty much started setting what is now going to be the ground work mm -hmm. and the ground rules for how whiskey is going to be produced in Israel. And I think they're going to actually end up shaping um, the legislation and the, the rules and bylaws of how whiskey is going to be done for an entire country. Absolutely. And it's not very often that you have uh, a, a brand or a company that's willing to one, be creative, but also be at the ground level of something that's going to really shape a growing category for the whole entire world, as far as the world whiskey uh, is looking right now. But even though they are basing a lot of where their starting points are uh, from the Scottish methods or the Irish methods, they're looking to, well, how can we put our stamp on it? What is the stamp and, and what is the, uh, the, what's going to define factor? it? Yes. What's going to define it too. Absolutely. Um, just for, for those of you who don't know, 
Um, it's the liquor talking um, can be found not only on our uh, Julio's Liquors Facebook page, and you can scroll through some of the videos. But if any of you are on Spotify, look up uh, It's the Liquor Talking. Uh, it has our little emblem there. Um, you can go back through and, and watch some of our, our uh, weekend uh, radio shows and also our Whiskey Wednesdays and some um, uh, interviews. And we have the guys from uh, Milk and Honey uh, did our show. So you can really, uh, really delve into how they started and what they did and how they got there. Um, it's a really cool listen. Uh, so, uh, you know, if you get Spotify or wherever you get, actually, you can get it on any, any place that you would get your, um, podcast, you can actually get this too. All right. And this one will show up probably in a day or so will show up too. Perfect. Put them, uh, put them both back to back. So yeah. So anyone that's here this evening that was joining you and the rest of the clan for the roadshow events may have had a chance to even speak with, with, uh, the two gentlemen that were here, Tomer and Tal, right from distillery so that was a very very fun day it was yeah, a whirlwind trip for them to be here in the states for for a little bit but uh to for the fun, the finale event of their tour was was here, the, was here was doing the radio show and then the roadshow event the road so. show yep so um let, let, before we get going let's mm-hmm. let's let's do the first whiskey because okay I, well they get restless the crowd's getting restless. if they have thirsty drunk i can tell you thirsty <laughs> so the first whiskey that we have to begin is their classic single malt this is uh, their their flagship expression. This is one that's meant to be just open up the taste buds, get you in line for everything else that we're going to be uh, that are going to be sampling this evening. For those that are already familiar with the distillery, who have, may have had some whiskey from them in the past, this was basically the uh, the latter version of what was previously the whiskey in bloom. So if you remember um, some like other we bottles, still have a couple whiskey in bloom. If you if upstairs, if you want a it. snapshot in history, um, that is what this whiskey ultimately uh, began from. So the classic single malt, mostly uh, mostly a bourbon aged single malt, but they are also using some STR casks. And for those that may not have heard of that term before, STR stands for shave, toast, and rechar. So essentially what they're doing, they're taking X-red wine casks and treating it like you would treat uh, a cask or a barrel before it's going to be used for bourbon. They are going to be firing the inside, first shaving it, but then toasting and charring the inside. And that's a method that uh, I mentioned the name before, Jim Swan, who has been a consultant in a number of distilleries all over the world, and he's found that this method of taking a wine cask and charring it uh, is one, you're getting more use out of a cask than you would before, but it also puts a whole new spin capturing some of those red wine characteristics. Because uh, essentially what you're doing, you have the residual liquid that's still locked in the wood and those sugars from the wine are going to crystallize when they're exposed to heat. So you put this sweet and this, this, um, I would say almost uh, barrier current like character that's mm. getting drawn out of the wood. And now it's going to mix with your whiskey as you're maturing it. So this is the classic, classic single malt combination of these STR casks and RX bourbon barrels. And again, get those taste buds popping, um, get a little bit of that bourbon character. So hopefully who those that have a, a bourbon mind and palate, this is something that's, you know, still close to home and what you're used to sampling. Yeah. It, the the cool part is also that that temperature that you're getting, um, you know, it's, it's going to sort of there's no cheating time. It's it, 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 it's what whiskey is going to taste like in this environment. So some people go like, oh, it, 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 you're cheating time because it, it gets it get it matures faster. No, it matures at the it matures at the speed that the environment creates. And that's the difference. And it's not. So this is the type of whiskey you're going to have, because this year is. What, what would you say? How, how old is this? We are between three and four years old. So it's a pretty good, it's a pretty good thing to just go right down the middle and say, this is about three and a half years old. Um, so for no graininess though, I, I don't find any graininess in this whiskey. It's a lighter style, which I think it you definitely typically have grip, with, right. Right, with barley, right. uh, especially a lot of single malt whiskeys that are made here in the States. I think you find that graininess and it being a spicy grain, especially at, at, at like three years. Yes. Two so, and a half, three years, you find that this is all oh, this is almost at the same time, but it, almost a little bit more mature, but it is lighter too, though. Yep. And to put it in perspective, the whiskey in bloom that I mentioned that this is the uh, the the end result of the whiskey in bloom is about two to two and a half years old. 
And the whole idea of it being called in bloom was because for most countries, uh, again, leaning on Scotland to follow their standards, has to be at least three years or three years in a day to be considered actual whiskey. But since it wasn't quite there yet, the, uh, the, the, the term in bloom was coined. But uh, if you have a couple of bottles upstairs, I would encourage all of you to, to grab one and, and do that side by side. And you can probably get a pretty good reference of idea of the rapid rate at how these whiskeys are shaped in this climates that we're talking a about. A year makes a big difference. A year makes this. a very big difference. Right. So what do you guys think of this one? Like it, right? I mean, I think the bourbon, you get the, the SDR, but you get bourbon character really comes through, yep. I think, on this one. Absolutely. Spice, but you get also get, you get a little bit of creaminess on this, but I, I, I still get some of those, those, some of those toffee or caramel notes on this too, and a little bit of vanilla. And I don't think that it's by no, mean, no means a design, because again, the name of M&H is drawing on milk and honey, as will be in the land of milk and honey, but I do get a honey-like character to this. It does have a bit of a, of a, uh, of a very honey-like uh, viscosity to it and a mouthfeel, and just, again, some of those bourbon qualities, that honey being a component that you'll get from some bourbon sometimes, it, it just it fits right in. A little over $50 for this one. I'll go through the prices at the end, and because uh, Gio's done some. He's done some geo magic, some geo magic, geo magic for you guys tonight, but a, a little over 50, but the same as geocaching. Sort of. Pay with geocache yeah. for geometrics. Don't ge stop. Geometry. Also, yes, there you go. <laughs> you know, Randall's not back from his vacation yet. I'm, you know, I'm about to get all the dad jokes and puns this oh, weekend, so. We started early, um, but uh, but yes, this is the classic single malt. It's their tip of the hat to what you would see from a ex bourbon barrel again coming from Scotland, and it's uh, it's not meant to really be drawing too much thought process. Open it on a Sunday afternoon and just enjoy it. You don't need to be sitting down with it and waiting for uh, you know to solve all the world's problems. Right. Just drink it, enjoy it, and keep it simple. Do you also get this one in your kit too? Which yes. Which is nice. Yep. So if you want to go back and revisit yep. that. May I ask a question about the kit? Absolutely. All right. Hopefully I know the answer. Okay. What, okay. So if I was making a kit or if I was doing the thing, like we're doing the tasting today, the classic could be over here. Why? Is that a Hebrew? They read left, left to right? Is that correct? I believe it is, right? Anybody going to give me an answer or are they just going to look at me with Yeah. <laughs> yes, the entire package is in English. Yes, that's absolutely correct. I know it was just weird to me that this was at the end. I thought it would be. I always start this way. I don't know what it is. I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong. But, but I think it's neat that it's in there. But even still, though, if we're going from right to left, I would. Always, so I, the whiskey I go from go left to, to right, and this one really goes from right to left. Well, I was going to say, that one goes from, the, the packaging goes from right to left. But even still, it's not 100% the way I would sample these because we will go to the red wine cask of the element series next. And that oh, one's going to the sherry. Unless correct. we're, no, we're going correct. from right to left and then how about, in the middle. How about the package of indiscerning <laughs> order? Choose your own adventure. Choose your own adventure. Go for it. All right. So what is that? Our next one that we're going to taste tonight. The next one would be, so we've, we now we've, we've got the taste buds warmed up. Um, we're ready obviously for some more whiskey because that's the name of the game on whiskey Wednesday to the element series is the next extension of the classic that we just tasted. And now we're going to look at uh, three different cask and maturation types that draw on the classic as their base. So just as okay. some whiskeys out there, will, will they have their flagship as a, a base model, so to speak, and mm -hmm. they might go in different finishing directions. This is sort of like that, but it's in a marriage composition. So essentially all these next two whiskeys that you're going to sample We'll use what we just had as a 50% uh, component. component of. Okay. And so they're vattings. They're vattings using the other casks that are going to be mentioned in the title of these and being married, uh, vatted together. Okay. I'm always hesitant to, to use the word blend, even though it is, but, you know. I, 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 I we like get into this every time we mention <laughs> the word blend because it's, so, it's such an encompassing thing. It can mean so many different things. And I know the Scotch wh uh, whiskey world has has made it so much crystal clearer by how they use a blended malt is all malt 
and a blended whiskey, Scotch whiskey as grain whiskey in it. But I always like to think if you're using the same thing to start to sort of use the either thing like a, a mariage, a marriage, a marriage or, or, or a vatting. I think vatting sort of portrays that you're using different components of the same basic product, putting them together, which is blending. I get it. But it, it, may, it gives them on equal equal footing, I guess. In my in my weird twisted mind, it's like equal footing. So does, does that does that make us uh, th- those people that are like, oh, I was better back in the day, like because when the term vatted used to be right. there, it it, it made was easier. It, it was I, I thought it was easier, but <laughs> yes, Lisa. So it's it's they're using fifty percent when they're making the the cla- they're using the classic. And then the other stuff will come, the other 50% will come from the influence of the barrel. Now you're asking, what did they put in that? Is it the same distillate or they, or they yes. yep. it's the same, same distillate? Yep, same distillate. And then but it's we'll, spending its whole time in the other barrel though. Yep. And at the end of that maturation period in whatever specific cask they're wanting that influence of, they'll take and then marry these, these two together. Um, so that next one being red wine. Uh, so now being located downtown Tel Aviv, they're going to draw on as much from the city as possible. So all these red wine casks, uh, I'm sure there's going to be more than one uh, wine producer they're going to be drawing this from, but they mm-hmm. all are going to be coming from Tel Aviv within the city. So now they're going to take these red wine casks, let the distillate mature. And these are going to be really the same, the same maturation period, the same period of time as you would with a classic. So for me, I find this mm-hmm. to be uh, a bit more soothing in terms of this how forward the spice is it's a bit more subdued it's a bit more mellow but you're certainly going to get a bit more of the other side but of you the get fruit some, some of that red you're getting some fruit you're getting some red berry in there so maybe even some stone fruit in that too what are the what's the abvs on these by the way is it six they're all magic numbers yes as far as all of these until we get to the apex then we start getting into but they all do the 46 so everybody yes. knows the magic number of 46 so 46 abv is 92 proof and if you use that um uh fatty molecules will stay in suspension at that at that proof level so you do not have to chill filter your whiskey to make it look clear at room temperature so um if if they get a little cold or they go really cold you'll see some clouding on this that is the congealing of sort of the 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 fat molecules that uh, that are involved in whiskey because they were not stripped away by a chill filtration process. And that is something that's been very near. Does anybody understand that? Yeah. Uh, Okay. In solution. Thank you. I I used the proper terminology. Here's my better terminology. You know, when you make soup, you know, you make soup, you put it in the refrigerator and the fat forms on the top. You never take away all the fat on the top. Why? Because it takes away flavor and mouthfeel. So you may take some of the fat away, but you never take all of it. Think of the same thing as cold filtration. Uh, what they would do is basically chill it. And when that fat is there, they strip it. If you unchill, don't chill filter it, it stays there. And the only problem is, is that if it got cold, you'd sort of see the fat molecules again. So, so if you left one of these bottles because none of the whiskey it's is way too cold out today, if you let it outside today, I'll just say it'll get cloudy. Or, or yesterday, yeah. it, it might have even... No, it's froze. not going to froze. No, well, not at that proof. It won't freeze, but you'll get some cloudiness going. And sometimes when it you felt get, like it could have. <laughs> it, like, it does. My bones felt that way. But, you know, what's <laughs> funny is um, that I've seen happen and doesn't always happen, but it's sort of really weird is when it warms back up, you would automatically think that we'd go back and it would be clear again. Sometimes it doesn't. Sometimes for some weird reason, it stays out uh, and you can, and it stays cloudy the whole time but it's okay and if you see that that's an automatic doesn't i always look at it, it goes oh less process i'm okay with that so i don't really go oh that's cloudy i don't think i want to drink it you know i have to drink that's- it right yeah it may go bad i might have to drink <laughs> it may go bad i just just in case i shall be drinking that all right uh, so the red wine cask, everybody's already had a chance to, uh, to, to know is an, an ace, what, what do you guys already, think of that? You know, this one, I think it, it's, it, you know, the red wine cask, you know, and there's nothing wrong with the classic. I think it's a really good, you know, you can't, 
if this wasn't, if the classic wasn't any good, you're not going to make anything better. Okay. Because you're starting with that as the base, at least 50%. And you're starting with the same distillate that you're putting into the red wine cast. So if you're starting with junk, you can't make better. Start with something really nice. You can improve on it. And I think that's what this extra character that the red wine casts are giving it. I, I really like it. And, it, and I'm, I'm, I'm going to save some because I want to try it against the sherry. Okay. Because a lot of people do, a lot of red wine casts that a lot of um, distilleries use, they use them to mimic sherry because they can't get sherry casts. So they use red wine as sort of a mimic, mimicking of it. So a lot of times there's some similar qualities to it. Um, I don't think it should. I think it should be on its, I think red wine casks should taste different than like a sherry cask and they should be pronounced differently. So let's see. I'm, I'm, I'm just to see how that is. I like this one though. It definitely gives it a bigger, bolder flavor. Mm-hmm. It's more rounder. There's some deeper, richer tones going on yes. in this. I think it almost now, gives it more weight. I almost think it, it's, and I'm sure you could do this very easily with the classic, but I think the red wine now we're in a territory where you can certainly start thinking about food pairings with this and put this together with your meal, you know, even consider being like, you know, your entree course and it's going to hold up to it. Just like you would want to have a glass of, you know, a nice red with a, you know, a hearty steak or something like that. You can start thinking about your whiskey like that and, and pair it accordingly. Now, especially we have the whole elements to, to look at. So okay. again, choose your own adventure. Or any, any order you want. <laughs> <laughs> So that I think the next one we are doing is sherry. Though, yep. Right? So that so the, the sherry would be the next the next point in this progression, and it also brings a very unique point in the whole entire brand of what M and H is doing. All the products, all the whiskey, uh, and their gin that they do make, they make a, a, an incredibly tasting, uh, tasty gin. Is that in yet? Oh, do we have it? I believe you should yeah, have, we it. Do have it. I think yeah. upstairs. Um, by the way, it's one of I did find out there's one other gin in existence like this, but it is an all barley gin it's an all malted barley gin typically and i sort of will get back to the sherry in a moment but typically you're making gin out of your neutral grain spirits but this is starting the same exact way that all these whiskeys would start with their malted barley running their spirits so the like which is uh, 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 right yeah really the, the it, it's, going, to it's, it's going it's going that route but they're going to use their uh their botanicals with it and uh, it's it's really really tasty especially for someone who may not like gin this is not as juniper forward, but uh, that's, I guess that's another tasting we can get into. So the sherry, getting back to the unique point for all these, all right, for all I, these liquids. I, I, and not because it rhymes, but I smell cherries on the, on the nose on this one. This now happens all Bing the cherries, all the whiskeys engine or dark cherry are all kosher certified. This being very unique because now since we're drinking the sherry expression, this is Still to to everyone that I've been made aware of producing whiskey all over the world still remains the one and only sherry matured single malt whiskey because of the processes that need kosher, to be kosher, kosher, kosher okay. certified uh, single malt that's been sherry matured. Uh, so that's a very unique point because obviously there's a lot of steps to see that come to every point that needs to be checked off. And what I do like about this one is... I mean, I know a lot of the faces. So the in sherry here, had to be kosher to the sherry be kosher. And I know okay. there are a lot of people like their scotch in this room. This shows another side of sherry. This shows a spicier side of sherry that we don't always get to see. And that's what I find really, really special about this. The dark Italian maraschino cherries. Like the real maraschino cherries. That's what I get off of this. Right. You get that spiciness to them. There's a, a, a deep, rich. Can you taste red? Because I can taste red. <laughs> this is what I taste. I taste red. And so it, a little bit almost jammy, too. It's jammy, and it's it's got this really unique herbal quality to it, almost kind of like a like like a tea-like. But that's so what I so, was talking about. Like, like, if you try, like, the Luxardos and stuff like that, yeah. you get that. Yep. There is, it's not a sweet tone. It's, it's, it's this spice. And uh, um, rich fruit and jam. I get that on this a lot. This is very, very different from the red wine cask. Yes. Yeah, we've gone into, we we still have a sweet component, but that spice component now just. Right. What do you guys think? Yes. Yes. Okay. 
Are we getting any converts over here that never who has who's never tried uh, Israeli whiskey before? All right, quite a few. Who who has? Oh, look at you, people of the world, <laughs> world travelers. Oh no, you probably tried it here. <laughs> they didn't really go that far. They went here. They're at the road show. Exactly. We're back to the road show. Exactly. If I'm just nice to get tripped, then I think we can make that happen. I hope so. We get out of this craziness. Hopefully we can make this happen. Much sooner than later. Three miles. Really? By yourself in the car. There so so I'm curious between the two, because there there is some similarities, but we've we've gone with a heartier and spicier component with this. I'm curious of the room for the hands that that uh, if you had a, if you had to pick one are going to pick the red wine cask, red wine, red wine, for no the second the second, second one. one, the red wine. Okay. okay, so now the hands that would pick the sherry cask. You know what's really funny about that, and I, 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 for those of that that can't see our studio audience today, that everybody every, we had a lot of hands shoot up for sherry. I'm going to tell you though, it's. It's, you know, a lot of people go, oh, well, that's expected because sherry plays a lot in whiskey. People do a lot. of. This is not your typical tasting sherry cask. This is not something I would have said, like I would have immediately pointed out, even if I drunk this not knowing, I said, oh, it has a, a, a wine influence. I might not be able to put my finger exactly on it because I don't really think this has a definitive sherry quality to it. Little Manhattan. Well, that would be like the like the like the sweet vermouth almost to it. Yeah. Thinking, and, yeah. and your and back to your cherries. The cherry, back, so. back to the Luxardo cherry sort of thing to it. So I wouldn't have necessarily have pinpointed this to a sherry cask matured whiskey, even though it's only 50% that way. Correct. All right. The influence is great and at the but in a very different way. All right. Well, cool. I like that. All right. So what's the, what's the, where are we going with the elements next? So staying in the still, the world of the elements. Um, now we're going to move on to the peated. And I know typically with a peated whiskey, it would likely be towards the ends of the lineup. But uh, I, I hope this comes across for, for most of you, if not all of you, as a very pleasant and very well balanced peat. And what is unique about this peated is that when this expression was first being introduced, it was relying solely on the cask itself because we were talking before that this was these are all casks cask influenced whiskeys that are being married with that classic as the base so the peated when it first was launched was relying solely on the cask and it was just using isla scott peated casks. cask isla peated casks yes. okay uh mainly and I'm, and I'm pretty sure i'm allowed to say that they were coming from uh lafroy and ardbeg I'm pretty sure I'm allowed to say that. Well, um, good thing. No one's listening to this show. Because <laughs> we're not recorded, right? And nope. <laughs> Only the interwebs will ever know. Uh, but they're drawing on, obviously, two, two hardy styles. Even still, Isla is going to be the, pretty much almost the king of Pete for most uh, discerning palates, I'd say. But again, it was relying solely well, yeah, on the but you're, but you're also talking about. You're not talking about a Highland peat that was mostly made of like heathers and pines and stuff. You're talking about Isla peat, which is which is seaweed that iodiney, that, very coastal, you know, that's uh, a bit of salt, you know, and yeah, band aid, brand new band aid sort of flavor to it, but in a good way, in a, in the, in a good way. The good, thank you, thank the you, good use band aid. We always say like if something doesn't sound right, but it's something that's supposed to be there, you follow it up by, but in a good way. This is in a good way. Uh, so I say that uh, because now where the stiller has start to start to be incorporating is with their peated, they are slowly starting to introduce their own peated spirit into this. So they're, they're using peated barley, okay. uh, about 30 parts per million for Which those is, that are well, usually keeping, 50 keeping so. score. Yeah. But uh, a couple weeks out of the year, because you don't want to be mucking up your still systems with the residual uh, content from that peaks. It's got to get cleaned out or else you're just going to keep on tasting it with every batch you're going to make after that. So for a couple of weeks out of the year, before they clean their stills, they'll run peated spirit and they're very slowly now be starting to incorporate that into this whiskey. So it's not solely just the cask anymore. It is some of that. Uh, so it's the only the one that really bottle. doesn't rely just on that. Same just, just in the cask. Display, by but it's, it's, it's also, 
we're using the same distillate. This is now starting to skim into a different distillate, right? Correct. All right. So for most of you who don't know too, um, 30 parts per million of uh, or PPM of, of, of peat, when it gets distilled, you lose about half, maybe a little bit more than that. I'm not a scientist or nor pretend one to be one on TV, but um, you lose about half. So, you know, when you're starting with 30, a lot of the, the distilleries that you see that really are strong peat start with about 50 or more um, PPMs. You're starting with 30. So that's going to bring it down to like 12, 15, somewhere in there, somewhere in that range. So it's, it's, it's a peated, but it's not by any stretch of the imagination, extremely peated. No, and you're still, and, and just so that the, the separation is there, the classic is still being used as your, as your other marrying spirits. So yes, you are going to be getting some peated spirit, but you're also being, uh, you're also being vatted and married again with unpeated spirits. So hopefully, even if you're not a fan of the peated styles of whiskey, this is something that's going to be still subtle enough and not hit you in your face, you know, with a brick, like some Isla whiskeys can be that it's a bit more approachable of a, of a peated style and a bit more approachable smoke. Well, the cool part of this one, as I, in this one, I'm getting more of the, um, the bourbon influence again, which I sort of, uh, wasn't as prevalent with the, the wine and the sherry cask. Uh, I think the bourbon influence comes out and the way it also comes out is I think with the peat, you get a little of that almost sweetness and you get a little saline um, that comes along with that. And then you get, and then you, so it goes from like that little bit of peat to saline to sort of sweet all inside of a, 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 a hair breath of, of that. So I think that's uh, it's, it's really interesting. I think it's very flavorful. And it's not typical what I would consider, you know, really peated whiskey. What's that? A kiss of peat. Kiss of peat. Yeah. Mm. yeah. Yep. Well, you know, this is, you know, I can see this, especially I can see this and I like to add a little peated whiskey to my oysters and stuff, but with Israel being, you know, there's a big Mediterranean coastal part of Israel with the seafood. This, to me, this would go really, really well with like shellfish or something like that, some sort of seafood, uh, I think it would go very, very well with. I will admit that I'm finally starting to turn turn a corner and start appreciating oysters. It's taking me uh, almost 36 years to get mm. there. But now that I'm starting to appreciate oysters. I can absolutely see where this would go. And I would look forward to having an oyster with this. <laughs> right. But not overly. The peating of the barley in Israel is done by that, that would be done by Muntins um, as far as they're supplying their grain and their barley. But the, the peat itself is actually coming from, uh, from, from its Czech peat. So not an area that you would think within the world would be uh, growing and, and, you know, you would want to be getting or, you know, harvesting peat from uh, in the use of at least malting. So now you're talking about more of the uh, not a sea influence. Um, vegetation that's making up the beet. Correct. So, but you still have the cask, right? So, right. so you have the, the saltiness and, and the coastal of right. the cask, but something that's not from the peat itself. So you're talking about a very interesting combination of even more worldly influences going into this whiskey. It's really cool. I like this one. Uh, uh, you guys, some of you I know aren't really peat fans. Uh, the people who aren't peat fans, what did you guys think? Yeah, I got a couple of people that I know in the audience that are not okay. really keen on peated whiskeys, so to speak. But, um, you know, if you win one convert over or two converts over, that's that's, you know, it only adds to the to the army of Pete. So. Any plans to put the peated whiskey in the sherry barrel? I have no doubt whatsoever uh, that the these guys are the doing distillery, They have a, they have absolutely every combination of everything gone. If you can if you can come up with an idea for a cask or a way to combine something, I guarantee you they have already uh, got it laid down somewhere. They don't have like the good part with these guys is they don't. You blend them together, they tasted good. They tried the peat and the sherry. I love you so much. Go away. <laughs> trying to steal my names now it's like i mean come on stop it 
that the um the good part about what they're doing and what they're able to do is they are basically experimenting with everything because they don't have any rules. So they can try it to see if it works. And these guys are very um, inquisitive of to what, and you're going to see this later on and we're getting, we're getting to it (laughs) of of the, uh, the inquisitiveness that they're approaching uh, they're using to approach the whiskey. And the good part about this too, is I, like I said, the climate does sort of uh, dictate how the whiskey is. And so you're really not like cheating time. The good part for them is they don't have to wait as long as other places to see what the final result is going to be. So experimentations can be, uh, you know, fruitful uh, three or four years down the line instead of like 10, 12 years down the line. So, and that that's a perfect segue because I was going to go back to the idea of how much the climate will ultimately influence your whiskey um, just to show in a reference point, generally when you're talking about as something as simple as the rate of whiskey is going to evaporate or which alcohol is going to evaporate different parts of the world. Um, I think everybody would say Scotland, two to 3% here in the States, three to 5% thereabouts, uh, just in the city alone in Tel Aviv, their average evaporation rate would be between 10 and 12%. So already you're looking at a very significant no, difference. So, what, so they, they are, um, it's going up and in, in out, they're losing water. So it's going up and the alcohol, the alcohol, uh, ratio is going up. The alcohol ratio is going up, but it does it does fluctuate depending on different times of the year because of the humidity level changing. Okay, but it is it does eventually equate to it going up. Okay, it doesn't have to go up a lot. I'm just it doesn't have to go up a lot, but uh, yeah, Taiwan and stuff like that. You'll see that. Yep. And as, so the gentleman I mentioned before, the reason that Doctor Swan saw this as an opportunity, he worked with Kavalan. So being from Taiwan, Taiwan and uh, as well. Um, So he already had his hands in seeing how the climate would shape these whiskeys from all over parts of the world while working with distilleries in Scotland, distilleries like Kilhome and distilleries like Pendarin in Wales. Uh, So that's why this was such a really cool off the coast of France too. A pet project to say, all right, what's going to happen when we can put whiskey maturing in the mountains? What's going to happen with with whiskey in downtown Tel Aviv? What's going to happen if we can mature it on the coast? Because they all have their own subclimates, and I think that's a great way to move on to now the experimentation. Number five continues. Number five is the uh, now now we're into the apex range, the apex series. So the apex elements- predators. <laughs> So the Element Series, as with the Classic, it's always going to be around. It's always in production. It's a part of a core product. The Apex is now the experimental. And let's see what kind of fun the guys can have with these different casks. They're not just putting it out, though. The Apex, in order to be part of the Apex range, it's not just an experiment. It's an experiment that exceeds expectations. Yes. Yes, absolutely. So, and and while some- Apex, get it? <laughs> And while some things uh, might be considered, you know, close to, it might be something that would be used for a single cask. These are typically very, very small batches. So we're going to go to the cognac cask uh, as far as for our next, for number five. In a year or two from now, when you see another release from these guys, as far as an apex uh, batch release, there really could be another cognac in there, but it's not going to be like this. It's not the same one. Not the same one. So now we're looking at a at a uh, at a cognac cask, and we are getting on to cast strength territory now for whiskey. So we've lived in that forty six comfort zone, and this is going to be, I believe, just shy of sixty uh, 58, 58.8. Like this one. Now, all these have been matured in cognac casks. We're not we're dealing with the same distillate. Correct. But, but now there's going to be none of that. It's not that 50-50 anymore. Correct. It's just sole. It's just sole, just the cognac cask itself. And then they're mixing different casks of cognac together. Correct. In a smaller batch mm-hmm. to arrive at the apex cognac cask. The right? apex level. Yes. Yeah, but there, there, it may feel like there's a bourbon component to it, but I don't, I don't think there is. There's no... They all went into the bourbon cast. I mean, the bourbon cast. Now you got me saying the cognac cast. And that's what they're drawing off of. 
and I'm, I'm, I'm assuming, but in like that, you still have a palette of cognac casts. So you're like, you're, you're, you're blending stuff that, oh, this one didn't show up as much cognac. This one overdid it. Let's, we want somewhere in the middle. So you're using different casts to get to this flavor profile that you're being presented to in this expression. What do you guys think of that one? It's almost, I don't know if it's with the climate or how it's done. It gets to a level of concentration that I don't typically find in cognac influenced uh, whiskeys. There's a concentration in there. It's, 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 it takes on, it's definitely still uh, single malt, single malt, but it, 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 the cognac influence is, is strong. The cognac influence is strong with this one. But it's not it's not overpowering of just the mm. sweetness of cognac, no. which I think can sometimes maybe move people that I like this one that aren't 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 quite in the cognac camp yet. But it holds all those qualities that make cognac really, really nice. But, but there's a little it, bit of like sweetness or like candy at the end of this. Right. Like sugar candy or I was gonna say almost like, honey candy, like a like a, a sugar, like a biscuit, cookie biscuit. But with that candy, like on top. Yeah, you. really neat. Put some water in it. Okay, I got my water. I got my water up here. Everybody's got water, right? Everybody's got their water. Make sure you put it in your cap like Jay is doing. I have my eyedropper. So You're handy dandy. I have my handy dandy. You are a scientist. Just, I am. You just got to no. get the coat. I'm a, I, I, I pour with this hand. No, I can't. So I use. The, the, the trick is obviously with the cap is now you can use your finger for those that haven't. Uh, that haven't uh, if you put too much, you can always knock it out of the cap. I put it, see, I put it like the couple of drops I want in the cap. So I know I have a couple of drops and then I throw it in. So I don't. At the end of the day, no like, matter what. like touching like stuff. I don't know. Hopefully <laughs> you only overwater your whiskey once. A good, a good friend of mine taught me that a long, long time ago. So whatever way. I've gotten drunk trying to, trying to get it right. <laughs> Does that make sense? Oh, yeah. I've gotten drunk trying to get it right because I'm like, yeah, I overwatered it up down that one. Okay. Let's start this over again. Because you can't take water back out. But you can have more. But whiskey. you can drink it. <laughs> yeah, more whiskey. Yeah, more whiskey. Yes, sir. You want to take that one? Go ahead. What does adding water to your whiskey do? Sometimes water can soften. Sometimes water can open something up. It really is going to depend on whiskey to whiskey, and 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 I know all the personalities. As, as far as I know, luckily all the personalities that you have down here, I think almost everybody is very uh, much on the game of. Waters can be a good thing and use water as much as you want because nobody is anybody to say how you should be drinking your whiskey. No one should be saying you should always use water. No one should say that you should never use water. But if you are going to use it, try to experiment because say if this was too hot at almost 59%, someone's palate may find this a bit too strong. So now you have the opportunity to whiskey concentrate, dilute it further. If you would like to, to bring down that alcohol bite, but in turn, sometimes a drop or two might make a whiskey pop and it could be even intensifying aromas or flavors, especially with something that cast drank level. So at the end of the day, it's really just how you want it, how you want it. Do you want to, you know, have a, have a little experiment session and, and try to see what's going to happen because there are some whiskeys that I do like having. I know I would want a drop of water with that whiskey. Some whiskeys I know might go a little more softer and subdued than I would want them to be, but that's part of the fun. That is part of the fun of just one, knowing your own palate, figuring out what you do like, and then having the reason to go through all your whiskeys and say, well, I haven't tried that one with water yet. How's that going to happen? Well, the other part of this too is think about it this way. We, we tried these all at, at 92, right? Okay. So that's the, 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 the distillery said 92 is really where we would like you to enjoy these whiskeys. We've sort of set that sort of standard. So I, I've gotten in the argument when somebody said to me, I, I never add water to my whiskey. And I said, well, so it's okay when somebody else adds it. And they're like, what are you talking about? Well, I drink this whiskey. I go, well, that's 80 proof. I said, it, it didn't come out of the barrel at 80 proof. Somebody added water to, to bring it to down to 80 proof and then bottled it. You now have the choice. If, if somebody gives you a cast drink, whiskey, you have the choice to, to, to bring that down, at, not at all, or somewhere where you find it enjoyable. I find my own personal taste as a general rule. I'm probably drinking most of my cast drink whiskeys around 100 to 110. 
if I figured it out and did the math on it, I started to know my palate and I measured out the drops and figured it out. I know that I'd be somewhere between 100 and 110 for most of my whiskeys. So that means I'm not drinking this right out of the bottle this way. I'm going to add a little bit of water to it. As I'm playing with the whiskey, I'm going to know next time I go back to that, if I pour myself uh, two fingers, I will know that I want to, two fingers. <laughs> Vertically. Vertically. Um, I, I, that looks like you might be doing something else. So I'm going to leave that one alone. <laughs> two fingers on my glass. Then I can, I, I, I know how much water I'm going to add to that particular whiskey. Cause I, I do, but I, I I'm always usually adding water to it, unless it's already at hundred to 110. Then a lot of times I may add a drop just to release surface tension and let some aromas escape the whiskey. Um, so I can, I can get a full appreciation of what's going on with the whiskey. When we're picking barrels, a lot of people don't know this is sort of a, a good way to segue. After we pick a barrel, Randall and I will actually bring the whiskey down to about 50%. We, all, we take the alcohol almost completely out of the picture to see if there's any uh, flaws that the alcohol is covering up. Uh, so if you want to see if something really has something going, you like, I can't, there's something going on with this whiskey. I don't like it. There's something happening. You can actually bring it down to about 50%, which cuts a lot of the alcohol out, and you'll actually taste the flaw. So a little bit of tidbit of information. That's, that's Do with a, it what you will. I think it's a great tidbit. If anyone has ever... Uh, what's, what's that? Yeah, the, they drop it down to, to, to you're not tasting any alcohol to it, and that's how you sort of see if it still works. Or if there's some sort of flaw, you'll catch it then. <laughs> right. Yep. Right. The ultimate blend is the figuring that. I think. Too. I think a beautiful uh, moments for anyone who ever stayed hard on the you should never you should never ever add water. Uh, just to give them the perspective is that I remember uh, from years ago being involved in a tasting with John Campbell, uh, previously of Lafroig, that's now going to be joining with uh, Lockley Distillery in uh as part of the in part of the lowland region which is and going to be an up-and-coming distillery mm -hmm. that's going to be in part of the impex portfolio so you can all look forward to that down the line but uh he just i i was very um impressed with his willingness to show that when he's going through his tasting he used the 10 year old Lafroig as an example that he prefers their 10 year old with a drop of water i said well now you have it from the horse's mouth that you know, if he, he's going to forget more than you'll ever know about whiskey and he has water. <laughs> take it that way. You can take it that way. All right. All right. So what's, so I'm actually, I've been looking forward to this because uh, the next whiskey, because I, I got to try it and a couple of people here got to try it. Um, and because it wasn't enough of it to have it at roadshow. So um, that has now been referred to as the people who had it as the dead sea scroll. The Dead Sea Scroll that uh, it it did exist. It was just unfortunately in small quantity, and since we didn't have it here yet, but now we do, and it is here. So the Dead Sea, so number six is uh, is our next sample, and this uh, it's just let the whiskey do the talking because I think this is just such a so a unique, massive, unique flavor because you do feel like there is a there is a very, very salt heavy presence, but the, the, the mouthfeel of this whiskey um, and just the, the, the weight of it. So, so unique and point of reference with uh, what I was mentioning before that in Tel Aviv on average, 10 to 12% is your angel share, your evaporation rate at the Dead Sea on average, 25% per year. So they don't leave it there long. No, this is a three-year-old whiskey. It's a three-year-old. So three -year -old it's a year whiskey. and a half, year and a half. So there's two, basically twin casts. One stays in Tel Aviv. The other one goes to the Dead Sea. And then they reverse them. Yep. They're going to be transferring them they out. They transfer them out. Yep. Because obviously at three years, you're not going to have really much of any liquid left uh, at, at that rate. And with what you're getting for essentially about a year and a half of an influence, you're already getting a lot of that area right there so you know the the driest place on the earth um but it stands to make this whiskey so so tasty the first of its kind and so there's you guys are just, you guys wild. are getting to do this is actually some of the i mean i get a couple of you get to try bottles that were brought over 
This is the first landed shipment of this whiskey. This is the first official. Official. Yes. So you guys, I think, I mean, it just came in. So I'm going to, I don't think I'm wrong in saying this is probably the first public tasting of it. I think this is the first public tasting of it. So at least, at least within this state. Where you can actually purchase it at this point. Do you guys feel like, I like, 56.2. I get on the, I, you know, on the nose, I'm, I get like, it so reminds me of it's, it's citrus and um, salt, citrus, salt. And to me, there's almost a, like a, a piney quality. Like sometimes you might see, uh, you're not saying Ritzina. No, I was going to say like, like, <laughs> like, like, like a hot beer. Yeah. That, that pine kind of. Yeah. All right. So this one, I, I got to say, because I want to see, I am adding uh, two drops of water to my little tiny sample here because I, I there's so many flavors, there's layers of flavors in there that I'm tasting just straight. The what? Port. So you first, without water, you saw this for some, you triggered like a port sort of flavor to it. Right. Now, when you put the couple drops of water in, you're going to see that there's even more flavors going on. This is a, definitely a thinking person's whiskey. Yes. You know, you could explore this whiskey for a good hour. So I want to see if I could find out all the different flavors this have and has into it before I pass out. Because I figured that's how long I could be drinking this for to try to get to all of them. Yeah, I think we've we've reached a very good uh, a very good uh, just end to end where again you take that classic malt, you just enjoy it, have it, sip it. This you need to sit down with because there's there's layers. It's uh, like a um, Shrek ogres. Ogres have layers. Onions have layers. I was going to go with parfait. Okay, I was, but it, Dead Sea has layers. <laughs> Everybody likes a good parfait. <laughs> Mm. Get like a sort of that, like, uh, what's that butter, but that rendered butter? You know what I'm talking about? That, like, you know, that. Yeah. Not parquet. Get out of here. <laughs> Be gone, you. <laughs> parquet. I said butter. He's like, parquet. I can't believe it's not Apex. <laughs> well, it is Apex. <laughs> That's so unique. I think the flavors that are going on in this are very, very unique. Um, Kavork has a question for us. Kavork, what's your question? He has a crazy experiment. This ought to be good. You don't sink at the Dead Sea, right? So salty. Yeah, salt. He's going to make her to duck it. So what he's doing, he wants to take, he wants to take a barrel. He wants to take a barrel and then put it in a bigger barrel and put the, uh, the dead sea water in the bigger barrel. But then you have it all conditioned. There's not going to be secrecy, I would say. But then you put everything in the sun. Then you put it all in the sun and cook it. I don't see what we couldn't do that if uh, if if Joshua Hatton uh, can can arrange for the Great Isla swim for a cask of whiskey to be to be uh, taken around Isla. Yeah. Then I have to imagine there's a way to take your Turducken Apex about to be Apex whiskey and and bring it around the. Dead I know sea. a guy. I know a guy that could make a a raft out of the barrels and raft across the Dead Sea. I got a guy. His name's Randall. You got a raft guy? Yeah, I got a guy. <laughs> I got a guy for that. So now we're getting completely crazy here. What do you guys think? Of, what do you think of this whiskey? Are you, do you like it? It's very different. I think it could be very polarizing in a, in a way. But most of the people out here seem to are, are all on the side of the Dead Sea. Right? Yeah. This is, this is something. Does anybody not like it? Yeah, you're so hard to please. I got one out of the. He's always that guy. It's always that guy. He's very critical, but I think it's very different, and I think it's really unique. 
And I would just drink this. I, listen, I, I happen to like it, but I would drink this just to say I drank it. I mean, you know, it's not, it's a really good dare because at the end of the day, you're going to like it. And most dares you, you hate, right? No, I just leave it out there. No one will touch it. <laughs> it's it's fine. It's fine. It's fine. Uh, did know. you leave the cast? Did you leave the cast unlocked again? Yes, I did. Actually, what I did is I put it in a bigger barrel with water in it. <laughs> no one will ever know. So how these did they have sure. it? They have it. They have a storage. Uh, it was actually under literal direct sunlight. So Kavork's really not that not that far off with how this how this came to be. So I believe it was a hotel on the roof of a hotel in a cage because. I mean, I guess you there was could, an angel share. Then there was an angel share, if you know what I mean. <laughs> the, just the, the sharing just involves rolling. I keep wondering why the perils that they send across the ocean inside of ships lose a lot of whiskey that they they don't understand how it could do that. Yeah, they're claiming it's angel share. But yes, so these did sit on top of a uh, of a hotel rooftop um, under in some sort of a, of a of a locked environment, some sort of a cage. Uh, but they were right underneath the sun. So, you know, not only do you sun-baked have whiskey. sun-baked whiskey, but also just, again, the climate, the the air itself. And think about it. There's really not many stories that I can think of the top of my head that would be in open, direct sunlight. Right. Obviously, open warehouses and having the natural uh, influence of the temperature swings. But in direct sunlight, I can't really think of anybody that would be. I can't think of anybody that foolish. <laughs> And that's like, you know, 25%. That's 25%. I mean, that's what are we talking for the year and a half? So it was 25% plus another 12. Right? They already took your idea of, of saying goodbye to your money in Las Vegas and just knew that knew that 25% right was going right? to be gone. Right. All right. So now, now we've done, so we've done wine, mm-hmm. we've done sherry. And then we have the last one, which is a fortified wine. Fortified. Red wine. Fortified. I didn't have room to write it on here. It's a fortified red wine. Fortified red wine. Uh, but essentially what the cask is, it would be a port style. A port style. Okay, okay. Because it cannot be, it would not be called port since we're, right, actually not, it's not, we're not in, in the area. Right. Uh, 60.4. 60.4. There's a question. I don't know if that's true. He said they're so far down at the Dead Sea that if you laid out all day, you wouldn't get sunburned. So uh, is the is the cask influence of the sun? Here's my thing. If I stain my white, my white T-shirt, if my white shirt decides if I'm having dinner. Okay, so here's my test because I spent time in Greece, right? So. I, when I would eat at night, I'd have a white shirt on. And of course, my shirt always wants to try some of it. And I'd get a white stain. I get a stain on my white shirt and I would wash my shirt and I would hang it up on the roof of the hotel. Right. My shirts were always bright white because the stain got sun bleached right out of there. So I got to figure, even if it's, even if the, the dry and stuff like that, even the altitude, that's not going to. It won't make any difference. Right. I don't think that's going to make a difference. But I'm just again, thinking, I'm not a scientist, nor do I play one on I was going to say, if most people won't burn, I would, I would you not burn want like it. I would definitely burn. definitely burn. The top of my head would not be yeah. visible. It would just be just solid red. Hot sunny days, he, he's, but he's Israeli, so he's like you get like a natural imperviousness to the, the better sun. half of my blood is Celtic, and we don't tan. Yeah, <laughs> we we just burn <laughs> or melt. Anybody else have any? Do you have any questions, Lisa? Sunscreen. The ones that work, we can thank Lisa because she did sunscreen testing for Johnson and Johnson. Boy, there's a company that I don't know if I'd test anything with them. Oh, anyways, needless to say. And the last whiskey is fortified red wine. Fortified red wine is our is our last whiskey of the evening. Um, obviously, it's it's got a, a a very significant brightness and a lot of spice to it, but you still have that wine components. There is that yeah. that sweetness factor there. 
Uh, but, you know, a lot of times we would end with something very heavily peated, but this is just a very big uh, realm of this a lot of flavors. This is very concentrated of flavor. This is, get, you wanted your port? This is that. Yeah, it is, isn't it? It's it's what you tasted before you thought was port in spades. <laughs> it's good, right? No, it's not overpowering, but it's, it's it, yeah, but you get into this area where I think you start getting that, it's like concentrated. Mm -hmm. You know, it is like, a what's the ABV on this one? 60.4. So, you know, you're, you're talking, you know, I can't say anything about um, uh, disinfectant on the, on uh, Facebook because they'll automatically block me, <laughs> but that's, that's the 60%. Right. So we are You're over 60 percent. We are we are there for it to be uh, um, clean. I could clean. You could clean if you really clean. wanted to. I mean, but I think what's important about a whiskey like this is that add a couple drops of water, like three, four drops of water to this, guys. You're going to really like all of a sudden that raisin comes out. Um, there's a, a white mushroom uh, flavor, like uh, uh, raw white mushroom comes out. Um, the flavors really start popping with a little bit of water on this one. But and it's only bringing it down. You know, I added three drops of water. It's only bringing it down like a couple points. It's not going crazy. But I think all of a sudden, a lot of other stuff starts. There's a jamminess now also that shows up. And it, this is the a, a good progression to be ending with something. It's got to finish that, for days too, by the way. That you would not, I mean, unless you are a very, I'm not going to say a trained professional, but just well seasoned, you know, if you're going to start your day with something that's going to be 60.4% like this, you're going to taste it really strong right off the bat. But going from 46 right. through the series, now the taste buds are acclimated to it. It's not going to be this big shock to the system where your eyes might light up that if this is the first one that we drank and we were starting the night with this, um, we may not taste the other ones as uh, as well there afterwards. But, you know, now that uh, the taste buds are kind of, you know, they're they're in the game and now they understand what's happening to them. They're not uh, shocked. I think this is really interesting in the fact too, that you're trying stuff at a higher ABV level and a lot of stuff that we get from these warmer clients, these world whiskeys are not, uh, are not so stuck in the fact that they have to be 92, 80, 80, you know, 86. They're, they're producing a lot more cast strength whiskeys out there and sort of letting you sort of control at what, at what, um, what ABV you'd like to, to have it. I mean, I'm presenting this to you, not expecting you to drink it at one, you know, 120.8. That's 120 proof 0.8. And, and most people aren't expecting you to drink at that level. And again, a majority of these being, and I will tell old. you, we're going to anesthetize your mouth at 120.8. Even though you're tasting stuff, you're going to, as you're drinking this, you're going to taste less and less of the flavor components at that level. And at three years old, it just, it shows you again, the realm of it, try to find a scotch or an Irish whiskey. That's going to have this, this level of character to it. That's not just going to be just the heat, just the alcohol component. I don't I, think it really tastes that hot. I don't no. Not at 120. I'll give you some 120 to strip the paint off of you, but I don't think this really does that. You know what I'm saying? I'm not, you, you know, there's alcohol there, but it's a warm, it's a warm hug, not a slap in the face. Right. So and some of the distillery is that they're they're very committed to letting the whiskey doing the talking. And they've let some casts go for extended periods of time where they've gone and said, you know what, four or five years, it's already starting to go in a different direction because under such an extreme climate, now you're gonna start to see the whiskey go south where now it's over oaked and all you're going to get is just the cast character and nothing of their actual right. spirit and so they're very mindful of of you're not going to probably see anything older than three or four years from this distillery it's just it's not in the in the in the, the size becoming one dimensional right. or the science of of the climate they're maturing in uh you know the climate's going to do the the bulk of the work for them in this case well, I, this is, you know, I hope everybody tonight gets to try something that they normally wouldn't try um, to see, you know, the, the depth and breadth of, of whiskey from other parts of the world that we may not even think of as mm -hmm. a whiskey producing area. Um, and, you know, open your mind to like uh, new experiences with that. 
And hopefully uh, some of you got pleasantly surprised and say, like, I didn't really expect a lot. And I got this and I'm pretty happy. Or it's, you know, just the opposite. But at least, you know, the whole point of a lot of the stuff that we do, Whiskey Wednesdays and, and, and the stuff that we do here at Julio's has always been a try before you buy experience as much as we can give it to you in this day and age. Hopefully we get out of this on the other side. Just let you know, we are planning to do Go Whiskey Week. So um, we have a couple of different ways that we're going to go about doing it. Uh, keep your eyes and ears open for that. But the whole point is, uh, you know, to try some of this stuff so, so you have a good understanding before you walk home with a, a bottle. Um, everybody here is going to stay. I'm going to go through a couple of things. I'm going to say goodbye to the people on uh, on Facebook. Um, thank you for joining us. And, and, and by the way, I should say Spotify. And Spotify. And thank you to uh, Jay tonight, everybody. Thanks, Jay. Beautiful as always. Thank you, sir. My I appreciate pleasure. it. Thank you for uh, having Goodbye, me. everybody on Facebook. We'll uh, we'll see you uh, on Saturday for It's the Liquor Talking or next week. I get a surprise Whiskey Wednesday next week. I'll let you guys know. All right. We'll stop. We'll see you later.